Kiora Summit Church, Botany, and uh, Kiora Summit Church, Hastings. Uh, may the Lord speak through his word today to all of us. Father, I pray that you will meet with us in a special way as we open your word. We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm uh, sitting down today because um, recently um, an unwelcome guest, trigeminal neuralgia, came back into my life. It's kind of electric shock of the face. And uh, my doctor gave me a, a, a round of medication that meant that I couldn't really walk in a straight line. It's uh, a lot better now. But I was thinking, and that's why I'm sitting down here, I thought... Uh, I could just see a headline in a, in a magazine, preacher staggers across stage and has the temerity to talk about failure is not final. So failure, I believe, is not final. Um, have you ever felt like a failure? I know I have. And my guess today is that I'm not on my own. I failed uh, all my units in my first year at university. I, uh, it was a stupid thing when I look back on it, but I had done quite well in what used to be called the seventh form and decided that I wouldn't attend uh, most of the classes that year and, and instead uh, study the Bible for a whole year. My parents were not impressed. I believe that a sense of failure is common to most of us in different ways. Maybe we, we've never, you've never quite made it in the career that you're in. Maybe you feel like a failure as a parent, but failure is not final. One of Winston Churchill's witty sayings captures a small part of what I want to say today. He said, Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Thomas Edison uh, epitomized that. He's sometimes called the inventor of the light bulb. It's not quite true. He wasn't really the very first, but he was the inventor of what we would call the the common or the commercial light bulb that most of us use today. When he was at school, his, uh, his teachers said that he was too stupid to learn anything. And he was fired from his first few jobs because he was unproductive, but he was an inventor. And he had a thousand unsuccessful attempts before he created the modern light bulb. Edson once said, I didn't fail, I just found a thousand ways that didn't work. What about you? When you think about your career, when you think about your marriage, your parenting, your life goals, your relationships, is there any way that you today feel like a failure? I definitely experienced a sense of failure last Sunday when Stu was speaking here in the Transformation Series. And he asked the question, 
Why are we not, or why are you not, persecuted for your faith? And I thought of the many, many times when I could have spoken up and told people that I belonged to Jesus Christ and said nothing. Failure then, I think, is common, but it's not final. Today I want to give an overview of the life of the Apostle Peter. Although um, the sermon is not part of the transformation series that we're going through at church at the moment on what's usually called the upper room discourse from John 13 through to the end of his gospel, I believe that the topic today is all about transformation Peter was a, a larger-than-life person. He, if you notice the, the lists of the apostles, his name is always first. And so I could have chosen many um, incidents in his life, but I've just chosen a few. There was, first of all, his call. Jesus said to Peter and to the other disciples, Come, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Or as the King James Version has, follow, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think when you, when you stand back from the issue of you and I becoming transformed to be more like Jesus, there's a lot in that verse. It's almost like your part and my part is to just follow. His part is to make you and me into fishers of people. And uh, Luke's version, in, in Luke's version, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, he tells a story, just he rounds out the story. Jesus is teaching on Simon's boat, almost like a pulpit. And he pushes out he, from, from the, the shore. And Jesus says, uh, let, let your nets down into the deep. And Peter says, calls out and says, we've already been toiling all night and we've caught absolutely nothing. But then when he obeys Jesus, when he does what Jesus asks him to do, suddenly there's so many fish, the nets are breaking and they come in and Simon realizes who this is that this is the Lord of heaven and earth. This is the one that can control the fish population. And he says to Jesus, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Have you ever heard the call of Jesus? Maybe you've been investigating the Christian faith. Have you ever heard that call where he would say to you even today, Come follow me. And he will make you into something you would never believe. He will transform you. So there's his call, but there's also his, his boast. Jesus once, when it was coming near the time when Jesus was going to be crucified, Jesus said to his disciples, his 12 disciples, this very night, you will all fall away from me. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. 
Jesus' reply is significant to the unfolding story of this man, this man who was being transformed. Jesus said, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter ramps it up. He says, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And in case you criticize Peter, it says in the text that they all joined in and said that. So Peter heard the call of Jesus, come follow me. And he followed. But he also was prideful. He was boasting that he would never deny Jesus. But in our uh, transformation series, we see more of his his pride. I don't know if you can think back to a few weeks when we started out in John 13. It's a story of normally called uh, the basin and the towel, where they're in that culture, because their feet were dirty, the, their sandals were soiled with the dirt, it was a common thing for a Gentile slave to wash people's feet as they came in to recline at tables, low tables. But There was no Gentile slave that day. There was no Jewish slave. They all just filed in. And then the story says that Jesus got up from where he was and he took off his cloak like a slave. He took a towel and put it around his waist and he washed his disciples' feet. But then he comes to Peter and Peter says, No, you will never wash my feet. The, um, the strength of that is almost like he's saying, no, never to all eternity will you ever wash my feet. But Jesus answers, unless you wash me, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replies, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So there were two failures on that day. There was Peter's prideful attitude. He would not allow Jesus to wash his feet. But then there was also his misunderstanding. He he thought that it was all about literal foot washing. But I believe that Jesus is pointing out that it's symbolic foot washing. Jesus says those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. He was pointing, I believe, Jesus was pointing to what is commonly called the biblical one and others. So when you and I forgive one another, in a sense, we're washing each other's feet. When you and I encourage one another, we're washing each other's feet. And Peter misunderstood what Jesus was saying on that day. So there was his call, there was his pride. But then there was also his exhaustion. Jesus was on the way to be crucified and he pauses in a garden. The garden was called Gethsemane and Jesus takes 
three of his most trusted followers, Peter, James, and John, and asked them to stay in a spot and pray for him while he goes and is overwhelmed with sorrow. And he comes back, and they failed him. In Matthew 26, 40, um, says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What about you? I know if you want to make me feel like a failure, just ask me, how's your prayer life at the moment? I know that I'm not what I should be. Recently I was uh, on a website, and a Christian website, and it was a survey there. And it was asking, just think about the last, this last week. How long at any extended time did you pray? One minute? Two minutes? Five minutes? Ten minutes? And, and I was looking down that and I felt, I felt rebuked by the Lord. Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me as we deal with failure, could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not watch with me and pray with me and commune with me for one minute or five minutes or ten minutes? Sometimes as I look over an audience like this, I see people sleeping. It used to worry me when I, was a, uh, when I started off preaching doesn't worry me now. In fact, it really works quite well because the way they've done the lighting here, I can't really see if you're, can't really see if you're sleeping or not. I've, the way that I cope with it now is that I, that you, I look at the person and uh, they've got their eyes closed and I just think they must be praying for me. And I, know, and I notice that they always agree with me. They're always there. <laughs> Could you not watch with Jesus for one hour when you think of failure this week? Stop and think about that. So we come to, then to the massive failure in, in the life of Peter. He had failed Jesus here and there by not praying with him, but he comes to the point where we, there are his three tragic denials. It's almost like the number three is important in Peter's life. He, uh, he was with Jesus for three wonderful years. He was one of the three. He, had, he denied Jesus three times. A servant girl comes to him and says, you were with him, weren't you? And Peter says, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then another servant girl says, he was with Jesus, I'm sure. And Peter says, I don't know the man. And then several others say to him, uh, we can tell just from your accent, you're definitely one of his disciples. And he says again, I don't 
know the man. I love uh, Luke's account. Luke says, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had, had spoken to him before the rooster crows today you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The uh, ushers are going to bring you a bookmark that a friend of mine in, in Denver, Colorado has put together to remind you of today. So Jesus, Peter is one of the, um, the inner circle. He's seen Jesus, he's seen Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, now this. Can you imagine that look? It's a look of grace. It's a look of love. When he, when he deserved a lecture, he was given a look of grace and love. And tradition has it that every time he heard a rooster, he cried. In the bookmark that you have there, there's a quotation from John Piper. Occasionally, weep deeply over the life you hoped would be. Grieve the losses, then wash your face. Trust God and embrace the life you have. Grieve deeply if you've denied Jesus, but don't stay there. Don't grieve deeply if you've sinned again and again, but don't stay there. And so God is not finished with you. He's not finished with me. This isn't the end of your story. The message today is that failure is not final. It feels like it. It feels like it's the end of the story, but it isn't. You know, it's one thing to come up with a catchy title like Failure is not final, but it's quite another to give a reason. And I was thinking about that this week, and that is that failure is not final because of Christ's death and his resurrection. I'm, I meant to change that particular slide. I put because Christ is risen, and that is true. But it looks backward to the cross, and because Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine, according to Colossians 2.13, all of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. So for your failure is not final because Jesus died, Christ died for your sins and my sins. And failure is not final because Jesus Christ has risen again from the dead. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today, I invite you to look into his eyes. His eyes are the eyes of grace. He wants you to be restored again and to recognize that failure is not final. So there was three years. There was three denials. But Jesus um, transformed Peter through grace, by grace. And you have in John 21, verses 1 to 14, an incredible story. Three questions and responses. If you've got your Bible there, have, turn to John 21 with me. John 21. 
We'll be coming to this passage, I'm sure, uh, later in our transformation series, but let's just dip into it now. You'll notice that, that Peter it feels a failure, and so he says to his fellow disciples, let's go fishing. And they go out and they fish, and exactly the same thing happens. They catch nothing. And Jesus calls out in verse 5, Friends, haven't you any fish? Have you got any fish? That's a question that I ask uh, mainly Chinese fishermen when I walk along uh, Bucklands Beach. There's a lot of them fishing out there each day. Got any fish? Jesus calls out. No, they answered. Look at verse 6. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Further down in the chapter, it says there was, they counted them. They were huge. They were the biggest fish. They were 153. But what I love about this story is that grace pursues me. That grace pursued Peter. You'll notice it's Jesus pursuing Peter not Peter pursuing Jesus. Peter knows he's an absolute failure. Jesus knows that, but he's not finished with him. And I'd say to you, and I preach to myself today, God is not finished with you today, whatever has been happening in your life. Jesus is full of grace. When he could have been giving Peter a lecture, he and scold him, he actually prepares breakfast for Peter on the beach. He just got things ready for him. And it's almost like he takes Peter back to that first time, that back to that time when he first was called to be one of Jesus' disciples. I remember that time. I was only eight years old. But I had... <clears throat> It sounds strange, but I had, even in that day, an, an overwhelming sense of my sinfulness. And, and Peter had that right at the beginning. And so Jesus, as it were, sort of takes him back to that. In memory, he goes back there. And Jesus is full of grace. And he asks him three questions. He asks him, firstly, Peter, do you love me? more than these. You see what Jesus is doing. He's getting to what I would call the heart issue. The external thing was what Peter does, but Jesus is penetrating to Peter's heart. He's asking, do you love me more than these? What did Jesus mean when he said more than these? Well, in the context of the chapter here, he could be saying, do you love me more than these fish? In other words, he had gone back to his old occupation and Jesus is saying, do you love me more than fishing? Some of you here that are real fishermen know what that feels like. But I don't think it's that. I, my, my best guess is that he's saying, do you love me more than these other these other ten disciples. 
because Judas has um, betrayed Jesus. And by then, and uh, so Peter, Jesus is saying, do you love me more than these? It's almost as if he's again taking Peter back to his boast that everyone, they all might deny, deny you, Lord, but I never will. And it's interesting, Jesus uses the, uh, the word agape, um, which is, uh, uh, do you love me with a, an, a, a, a God-given divine love? And pe all Peter can answer is, you know, Lord, that I'm fond of you. In other words, there has been a blow has been dealt to his pride. He's not going to boast anymore. And Jesus asks him again, do you love me, Peter? And a third time he asks him, do you love me? How would you answer that today? If you were, if it was just Jesus and you, how would, how would you answer it? And so you've got the three questions and responses, but then you have three beautiful affirmations. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I've got work for you to do. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. I've got, I've got plans for you, Peter. You have failed, but my grace is greater than your sin. I wonder sometimes if when we get to heaven, if uh, Dave's talking about songs that he sings as he is in, at his workplace. I wonder sometimes if Peter might be singing a, a hymn that I used to sing many years ago, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. That's what Peter knew. That's what he realizes suddenly that failure is not final because Jesus Christ has risen, has died for his sins and he has risen again. And there's hope and there's hope and a future for you today. Whatever you have done, and whatever a sort of a failure you feel in different aspects of life. So there are three denials, three questions and answers, three affirmations. But then there is transformation, what I would call the new Peter. And we see him at the beginning of the book of Acts, and he stands up. This restored man, this man that has been restored by Jesus and he preaches and 3,000 people come to put their faith in Jesus Christ and are baptized. What an incredible experience. And so you've got Peter who is the big fisherman but he now becomes a writer and he writes First and Second Peter Two letters that I absolutely loved. Listen to what Peter writes. Let's to, if you have again, if you have your Bible, please look across to First Peter chapter five. First Peter five and verse two. Notice what Peter is saying. 
be, he's talking to as a fellow elder, as a fellow leader in the church. Peter is saying, I'm writing to you and this is what I'm saying to you. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing on dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you. Do you sense the humility that's there now? The tenderness? He's heard Jesus say, tend my sheep, tend my lambs, be a shepherd to these people. Now he's saying the same. There's hope for him. Look over at verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. It's almost as if he's taking his readers back to that experience that he had in the upper room where he didn't want Jesus to wash his feet and he's saying, all of you, clothe yourself with humility like Jesus did and wash each other's feet. And be done with that prideful attitude that comes into our, all of our hearts from time to time. There is then the new Peter. He says, be shepherds of God's flock. And he says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. And notice, if you look at verse 10, I just absolutely love that verse. It's a verse that um, the Lord God gave to Elan and me when our little boy uh, died when he was just five and a half months old. It felt as if all our world had collapsed. It wasn't really worth my teaching career, didn't seem to be worth anything at all. And verse 10, he says, the God of all grace. That's my message to you today. That's the message that I'm preaching to myself today. The God that you know, the, the Lord that you follow, he is the Lord, he is the God of all grace. He gives you grace to put up with pain. He gives you grace to, to serve him faithfully day after day. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Notice this next little bit. After you have suffered a little while. Suffering feels like it's never going to end. Failure, if you feel like a failure, you feel as if you'll never be able to pick yourself up again. But Peter says, no. After you have suffered a little while. And it's just really a little while in light of eternity. But notice what Peter says, and he's speaking here to a suffering church. He's speaking to a persecuted church, a church of, of refugees that are scattered all over the then known world. And he says, note what he will do. He will himself personally restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him be the power and glory forever and ever so this failure is not final 
when Christ's grace transforms you? Will you allow his grace to transform you today? Peter's last words in, in 2 Peter 3.18 is, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The call if, to you and me if you're dealing with failure is to lean into the grace of Christ and accept his grace. So what are you dealing with today? What sort of failure are you dealing with? Have you got the failure of recurring sin? Do you have the, the failure of goals that you once set yourself but you've never quite been able to make it? Do you have the feeling of failure in terms of a shattered relationship? Do you have failure as you think of wayward children? Do you have failure when you think of a, a wrong career choice or financial stress? All of these things are true and they, they're part of our human condition, but today Christ is speaking to you through Peter's words. And Peter can speak with authority and to you and me and say, be transformed by grace, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to um, give an opportunity for you to receive prayer today. The, some of the, the um, elders and pastors are going to be up the front here somewhere. And as we sing in the last couple of songs, if you would like, as some prayer. Not, um, you're not saying I'm a failure, you're saying this, there's something in my life I need prayer for, and you don't necessarily have to tell the person. But we are a church that cares, we are a church that wants to pray for you. So as we sing the last two songs, let's, um, let's pray, pray for one another. Father, we come before you and pray that you will touch us very deeply. We believe that you have, Lord. When we think of the life of the Apostle Peter, that is, there are so many things, that, Lord, that are, have been true of me. And I confess that before these friends of mine. But Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your relentless grace. We thank you that you pursue us when it feels as if all hope is lost. And so we bow before you and pray that you will come amongst us and bless us and help us realize that failure is not final because you are risen from the dead. You have forgiven all our sins. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.